Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that sits across from me in Mr. Wrights in Science class, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, how you doing, Cakes? Ah, oh, you motherfucker. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could have been uh, one of the greats, but then you fucked it up, Brandon. Just like uh, the Uncas. I hate, I hate that. Cakes, cakes. I Whatever. cakes. I want a little Debbie in cake now. I love little Debbies. Uh, which one's your favorite? Oh, man. Uh, the little pumpkin faces. I've never had a little pumpkin face. What? I don't like pumpkin. They're so good. They're seasonal. I've never had it. I also like the strawberry shortcake rolls. Yeah, those ones are all right. <laughs> all right, you just want to shit on my little Debbie opinions here? I guess so. You want to rate have... my ratings? <laughs> I never knew this about you. And I... All right, Star Crunch. It's trash. Okay, sure. Hot take. Cosmic Brownies. Yeah. Dope. Okay, yeah. Let's agree. I'll agree on that one. Swiss Rolls. They're all right. Yeah, I could eat a Swiss Roll right now, probably. If you had Swiss Rolls, I'd take one. Yes. Well, I think that's it, right? <laughs> well, there's like thousands more, but that's the ones I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't want to accidentally <laughs> say the wrong one, and everybody just... People would be like, that's Hostess, you yeah. fuckers! <laughs> exactly. That's not happening. So, Brandon, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Let me tell you. This week, mm-hmm. while I was at work, I was working in a freezer. Yeah. And it's a large freezer. Like Somebody trapped you in the freezer. It's... <laughs> I didn't get trapped, but I was working at the very far end, uh-huh. and the lights went out. Oh. Somebody okay. had turned off the lights, thinking, ah, nobody's in there, I'm not even going to check, whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and do you remember, not too long ago, you and I were talking about how we don't have any imagination? Uh-huh, yeah. It turns out that's not true, because <laughs> oh, in the okay. dark, in the complete absence of any kind of light my brain was filling up with all kinds of horrible things that could be in there with me i was like oh i can hear a witch laughing and a baby crying and something's gonna touch my foot any second and i had to slowly inch my way with my hand out in front of me feeling my way to the other end of the freezer it was quite a ride how long did it take you to get out of there I don't know. It felt like years. Time doesn't matter in there. <laughs> well, I'm glad you survived and you're not like, getting your fears sucked. Like, oh, was there a gargoyle in there? I'm pretty sure there was a gargoyle in there. <laughs> it was next to the witch. Do you guys make soup? <laughs> There's some soup, yeah. Oh my goodness. I think I know what happened. All right, spill it. Because all of these things are completely unrelated. That coworker that dabs, she's secretly Dr. Vink, and she was sucking your fear out of you. Whoa. Yeah, you need to get her before she gets you. That's why we charge $200 for a bowl of soup. <laughs> yeah. So, how was your week, Cortland? Oh my gosh, Brandon, guess what? I didn't what? do jack shit all week. Wow. Because I don't have, I don't have a job. Because this coronavirus lockdown, and it just got extended yesterday till the end of the month. <laughs> Wicked. I love it. I love it. I get, to, I get to be at home with my family all day, and I just, 
I really like it. <laughs> I could live like yeah. this every day. <laughs> um. <sighs> now I'm not gonna say the coronavirus is a good thing. Yeah. But... I mean, I mean, like after having spent like the past three years of my life on second shift, where my wife works first shift and my son goes to school and daycare and stuff, and I don't get to see them until the weekends where I may work anyway. This has been uh, really nice. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah, spending time with your family. Turns out it's a-okay. Like, I can get my editing done, and I can help my son play Zelda. <laughs> it's been good. I like it a lot. Aside from if the fact we that people were are born sick and suffering rich, and stuff. We could just be like this all the time. Man, the wrong people in this world are rich, is all I gotta say. <laughs> Have you seen The Tiger King? Uh, I just watched the first episode yesterday. I knew nothing about it, but it's just, you hear so much about it that I'm like, alright, what it. is this fucking show? Okay, like, mm, spoilers, but not really. Kim and I watched the whole thing, still don't even know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what they're talking about. But it's very captivating, so continue watching it. I will. Yeah, it's so uh, It's a train wreck. I can't look away. Exactly. Like, you know, people say that all the time. Oh, it's a train wreck. It's, you know, hot garbage. And <laughs> oh, like, sorry. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I'm you just watch it over here like, spitting out cliches. No, no, no. It's, I'm trying to... I'm going to compliment you. Give me a moment. Okay. <laughs> but you hear that and you're like, yeah, right. You're dumb. And then you watch it and that's the only thing you can describe the Tiger King as. It's just a huge train wreck. Just a couple of train wrecks. They're all, like, intersecting at one point and they just all hit each other and you're like... You're like, I yeah, I don't think this. that's how train tracks work. Yeah. <laughs> There's not four-way train intersections. No, and you just watch it, and you're like, I can't stop watching this. I don't even know what's going on. All of these people are straight-up garbage, and I don't know what the fuck I'm watching, but I gotta watch it. Yeah. Well, I will keep watching it. Yeah. It gets, it gets really good. <laughs> it's worth watching, is what I'll say. I do feel like people are trying to capitalize on its success, though, and i seen, like, TMZ is going to be doing an insider thing with, with Joe Exotic or something, and I'm just like, get the fuck out of here, people. You can't ride the coattails of this success. Yeah. This is will, a lockdown though. success. This never would have been popular unless this lockdown happened and everybody was stuck at home and they had to watch Joe Exotic. There's going to be, like, copycat, psycho, mulleted, big cat keepers with their own shows. Oh my god, I hope not. Like Tiger yeah. Chief. Oh my god. Um, Alright, Brandon, do you want to get talking about um the show that we do a podcast on? Yeah, we could have a little side conversation about that. Yeah, just a short, quick one. Alright, sidebar, are you afraid of the dark? Okay. So Brandon and I just got done watching the tale of the fire ghost. What do you think of this, Brandon? I think I liked it. I think I liked it too. <laughs> I think there were some spooky aspects of it. Yeah. I think maybe I have some sort of, maybe not a phobia, but I think maybe I find firehouses creepy. Mm. Okay. Empty firehouses. They are really big and open. Yeah. I can see that. You know what? I'm going to spoil something a little bit. They They tell this kid not to look in the flame of a fire. And I remember being a kid yeah. and being scared to look in the flame of a fire. So, <laughs> so it got yeah. you a little bit, probably. Yeah, it's a fun episode, though. I mean, the firehouse setting's cool. I've never seen anything 
scary in a firehouse setting, I guess. No, I haven't been in very many firehouses, actually. I took my kids to go, like, meet a fire engine. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> yep. He enjoyed it when he was two years Did old. Did he get the fire engine's autograph? Mm, he went inside of the fire engine and rode around in it for, like, a block. It was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, I never had that as a kid. Ooh, actually, I think I'm starting to remember something about being in a firehouse <laughs> as a kid. You've unlocked a memory. <laughs> yeah, bonus. <laughs> but um, the characters are interesting. The villain is pretty cool. The characters exist. I like Jake. <laughs> yeah, Jake's cool. The kids. Eh, and... they're, they're there. Eh, well. You want to get into this episode now? Yes. Let's get into it! Let's do it after that really boring overview. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about it. When you think about it, being burned alive is the scariest thing. Hey, Tucker got one right. I guess that's true. (laughs) Our episode starts off with this close-up of Kiki and Sam's face as they scream at each other. Yeah, very explosive beginning. Yeah, the most explosive beginning we've had thus far, I believe. Kiki starts off yelling, I don't believe it. You said you'd be careful with it, and you weren't. And Frank walked down the path in the background as Sam yells back, I was! How was I supposed to know my locker was going to get broken into? And from the side slides Gary, who asks, Are you sure you locked it? Ooh, Gary. I don't know why he did that. (laughs) I don't know either. Does he like this girl or not? Exactly. If he does, he's real shit at (laughs) courting her. Yeah. He's like, hey, dum-dum. He's like, hurry up and write your note to your grandma, dumbass. (laughs) And then the next week he's like, "Uh, I'm with Kiki, you're dumb. Yeah, right? I didn't get it. I was like, Gary, what the fuck is wrong with you? Sam looks at him as he walks away saying, of course I locked it. We cut over to Frank, who's taking a seat next to Betty Ann, and he asks her what's up with them. And Betty Ann explains the situation saying Kiki loaned Sam her favorite sweater, but it got stolen out of Sam's locker. We cut back to Sam's face and she goes, I'm sorry, all right. And we cut to Kiki who shakes her head saying, sorry, doesn't get my sweater back. And Sam rolls her eyes as we see Tucker run down the path with a bucket of water saying, what's going on? And he falls and he dumps the water out saying, oops. It's the goofiest shit. Such a scrappy do uh... move. <laughs> we thought you were better than this, Tucker. We thought you were Tucker no, 2.0. Tucker 2.0 is really... Uh... Showing his true colors here. The only thing we can hope for is Tucker 3.0 next season. (laughs) Frank and Betty Ann get a good laugh at that, and Gary sighs saying, nice work, graceful. Tucker gets up saying, it was an accident, and Gary starts yelling at him saying, well, you should have looked. And this bursts into arguments from Sam and Kiki, and just, like, everybody just starts yelling. It's really weird. Betty Ann stands up and whistles really loud and gets everybody's attention. They all stop, and she says, thank you. How about we all just settle down to start the meeting? Of course it's her. <laughs> She's the She's mediator. the one to settle the disputes. She's the best. She's the best. <laughs> we cut to Gary who says, okay, Bucket Boy, you're up. And out of all of that, we have a Tucker story? <laughs> yeah, that was his setup for it. <laughs> what a hodgepodge of shit. He was. stole that sweater so that they would argue so he could be like, you know, arguing's really... <laughs> the scariest thing. Uh, I hope the name Bucket Boy sticks. Why? You I like don't know. It? I like I like that nickname for Tucker. You know it's not going to. Yeah. Probably not. 
All of that, though, like, it could have been a Sam story, could have been a Kiki story, could have been a Betty Ann story. Yeah, it really kept but, you no, guessing. But no, the guy that runs down the path with a bucket of water and falls. Hey, guys, what's going on? Oops! <laughs> he had the least interaction of that into- <laughs> intro. He's like, hey, guys, who's going tonight? <laughs> oh, wait, it's me. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Tucker takes a spot at the throne and says, it might be kind of hard to cool down because my story is about fire. <laughs> we get a nice shot of that roaring fire in front of the kids and Tucker says, look at our fire. It's got life of its own. Gives off light and heat. And makes a nice warm crackling sound. But given the chance, it can cause horrible destruction. And he grabs a pouch and says, I'm not talking about the damage it can do while it's burning. I'm talking about the damage it could do after it's been put out. Hey, Brandon, you survived the Australian wildfires. <laughs> Do you agree with Tucker? No. Just on principle. Okay. Anything he says, I don't agree with. Nah, that's all right. <laughs> Giving him, like, almost two seasons of chances. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call the story. The Tale of the Fire Ghost. So at this point, Brandon, we've had Frozen Ghost, we've had Lonely Ghost, now we've had Fire Ghost, we've had Ghosts from the Past, we've had Water Demons, which are Water Ghosts. What do you think's next? Do you think it'll be, uh, like, Earth Ghosts, or... I think it'll be an Electricity Ghost. Oh, that, that could would be... be pretty cool, right? Yeah. What about a Space Ghost? No, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. That would never be a thing. Our story opens up, and we're looking at a set table, right? And then, the camera turns to a Dutch angle, and we see two people sneaking around this room. A tree starts slapping against the window outside, and the two continue walking. They open up a dresser drawer... They close that one, they open up another one, and then they rifle around that drawer for a minute, and they they grab a box of matches, and then they light one. We cut to another room with a bunch of beds, and the camera pans over, and there's a guy reading a magazine in one of them. No, he's not. He's not reading a magazine? No, he's very unconvincingly flipping through that magazine, pretending to look like he's reading it. Well, it's probably a Playboy, Brandon, okay? He's just looking at the pictures. He's waiting for the director to say, Alright, siren's going off. Go! <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Suddenly a fire alarm bell starts ringing, and this guy jumps into action. He goes down a fireman's pole, and at this point, it's pretty clear we're in a fire station. He runs, grabs some gear, and stops as the lights flash on, and a bunch of people yell, Surprise! And this dude sighs, saying, Aw, you guys. And the gang of people with just two children up front laugh at him. Why were they sneaking around in the dark, then? He was upstairs. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, man. No need for all that. And really, is it a good idea to set off a fire alarm as a joke? Like, next time, he'll be up there <laughs> reading a magazine poorly while Timmy and Sarah are burning alive just going, <laughs> not this time, guys. Yeah, you know what? They had to, like, Jimmy rig that bell to go off for this prank. But what if there was a fire at the same time that that bell was going to go off? And then that just, like got overridden by this joke <laughs> yep too bad <laughs> they're gonna be eating cake <laughs> the scene transitions and we're looking out that window from earlier that had that tree bashing into it and we get a voiceover from tucker saying jimmy and roxy's parents had split up and even though they stayed friends it was still hard to deal with especially for jimmy he had a lot of anger inside and pretty much blamed his dad for the breakup <sighs> you never see that anger inside of jimmy though <laughs> I mean, not anger so much, but you definitely get the vibe that he resents his father or is angry at him. 
Yeah, he just wants to spend more time with his dad. He's I not think. throwing fists and kicking cats. I don't know. How do people be angry? He's not a bad kid, I guess. Anyway, during that voiceover, we see Jimmy. He's in the corner. He's eating some cake. And then we cut over to Dad, who's opening up some presents. And he opens one containing cleats, I think, for golf or whatever the fuck people use cleats for. And it's from Linda, Roxy, and Jimmy. He thanks them. Jimmy waves over in the corner alone where he's eating his cake. And Linda smiles. She puts some shit down and then answers her pager because they need her at the hospital. She tells everybody that she'll be back as soon as she can and not to let the kids fill up on cake because she doesn't want to have to deal with sugar fiends when she gets back. And dad's like, the kids or the guys? Because there's a bunch of firefighters around them too. And Linda looks around saying, both. And everyone chuckles. <laughs> Good one. And that's the last Linda we see Dan. Yeah, that is. <laughs> She's gone now. We cut over to Roxy who says, um, I got you a little something. A little something, something. And she hands her dad a super small present. He opens the box and in it is a very tiny metal ring. Which he lifts up and says, uh... And Roxy's like, it's a nose ring. And Jimmy in the corner smiles, and Dad looks at this shit saying, yeah, a nose ring. One of his firefighter buddies says, yeah, it's a nice one too. Which it is not. No. And she looks disappointed that he doesn't like it. Which I find ridiculous. How old do you think Roxy is? I think she's probably like 16. Yeah. She's not four years old and giving him just whatever present, and you have to pretend to like it. She's 16. She's old enough to know that a nose ring is a dumbass present to give anyone. Yeah. But then to give him that and be like, do you like it, Dad? Oh, you don't? Oh, wow. That hurts my feelings. Here's my takeaway on this. They don't ever say anything about this nose ring ever again in this episode. They don't mention any backstory about it. But I assume that she, like, wants it and... This is a weird way of her to ask her father if she can get a nose ring. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. And like I said, they never bring it back up again. How is that a bonus present for him? I don't know. Maybe she's like, if he opens it up in front of all of his friends, he can't tell me no. Yes, he can. It doesn't matter because he doesn't say anything about it ever again or even right now. So No, we've talked about it like five times longer than they do. The lights start flickering. One of the old men says, "Uh uh-oh, looks like our fire ghost is back. Just very matter-of-factly. We cut to Jimmy, and that tree branch starts banging on the window again. And Roxy's like, fire ghost? And Dad tells her not to listen to them because there's no such thing. When suddenly, the tree branch smashes through the window, and Jimmy screams and hits the floor like he just got shot. And Dad calls to him. And he gets up and he walks over asking if he's okay. And Jimmy's grabbing his hand, and Dad takes a look at it, and he tells Jimmy, come on. Let me fix you up. So he must have gotten cut on the glass or something. That makes sense. That branch was banging on that window hard. It was out to get Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) That branch wanted revenge. He seriously screams like he got shot, though. (laughs) I don't think that's a fire ghost. I think that's a wind ghost. Oh, shit. I hope we get wind ghost next. (laughs) Well, I think we should take a look at the cast of this episode, shall we? Okay. First up. We got Jimmy, and he is played by the late Miles Ferguson, who unfortunately passed away in an automobile accident in 2000. Yikes. Yeah. Miles played in a show called Edgemont before he passed away and worked with our boy Dominic Zamparagna, a.k.a. Jed from Full Moon and Rush from Cutter's Treasure. That's cool. 
Aside from that, he played JD in Airbud and Johnny in Slam Dunk Ernest. <laughs> oh, wicked. I was just watching a documentary about Ernest today. Nuh-uh. And I was going, man, I've never seen Slam Dunk Ernest. <laughs> the only ones that I've ever seen are Ernest Scared Stupid and Ernest Goes to Prison. You never seen Ernest Saves Christmas? I may have when I was really young, but I don't remember any of it. Wow. Okay. But this documentary, I'm interested. Where did you see it? It was just a YouTube thing. Oh, okay. I'll look it up later. I probably won't. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Okay. It's interesting. I love Ernest. I wish he wasn't there. Yeah, Ernest is the the best. Next up, we have Vanessa King, who played Roxy. And uh, did you recognize her? No. Oh, that's Cleo from Tale of the Guardian's Curse. All right. Okay, that doesn't surprise me at all. Now that I hear that. I looked at her when I seen her the first time. I was like, I think that's Cleo. And then I was right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I was thinking when I was watching it that she gave a real Darlene from Roseanne vibe. Yeah. Doesn't she? I think it's the face. She looks kind of like Sarah Gilbert. Yeah. She gives off that vibe and Jimmy gives off a Charlie Bucket vibe. (laughs) Oh, Jimmy. She, um, she, Vanessa King also was in Edgemont with Miles. Oh, man, Edgemont. We gotta watch Edgemont. <laughs> it's got all the classics in it. I noticed a thing. Maybe it's just because they're all Canadian actors, but, like, Jake, who we'll meet later, and, like, maybe Dan Preston, the dad, I think they were both in, like, uh, Days of Future Past, X-Men Days of Future Past again. I don't know. There's just a small bucket <laughs> of work that these actors are all in. Because, like, bucket half boy. of them are in Arthur, the other half are in Magic School Bus. Is Arthur Canadian? I didn't think so, but maybe. All right. Now we have the dad, Dan Preston. He's played by Larry Day, who has a very long career. He was in the movie Arrival, Punisher, War Zone, and Night of the Demons 3, as well as a shit ton of other shit. I've never seen any of the Night of the Demons, but the box art and the makeup design of them look cool, and I would like to see them. Is he, like, a character, or is it officer number two? In Night of the Demons 3, I think he's the main character because he was the first one listed. (laughs) Oh, okay. The star of Night of the Demons 3. Yeah, but, like, the dad is so not in this episode that I don't even... I wouldn't even recognize him anyway. No. The mom, Linda, she's played by Liz McRae. I don't know why I mentioned her. I just looked at her and I realized she was in um, an episode already. So that's why I put her in here. We last saw her as the mom who abandoned her children in the tale of the hatching. Yeah, okay. She's she got that abandonment vibe. Didn't have much of a part in there either. No, it's pretty much like, bye kids, see you in six months. And then this but one, yeah, she's like... Yeah, I guess she's just typecast as mothers who don't care about their children. Yep. She's doing important work, though. She's going to the hospital, so... Yeah, get off her ass, Cortland. She's going to save lives. Well, so is her dad. <laughs> yeah. That's all we get for now, though, so let's just keep going with the episode. We switch scenes, and Dad's helping Jimmy with his cut hand. He's opening up a Band-Aid, and Jimmy grabs it, saying that he can do it. So Dad sighs, and we watch Jimmy open up and put the Band-Aid on. And Dad thanks Jimmy for the present, and Jimmy tells him, oh, Mom picked it out. And Dad's like, look, sorry I missed your ball game last week, but I had to fill in for somebody. And Jimmy looks at him, saying, you could have gotten someone else. And Dad tries to explain, but Jimmy tells him, that he's always got a reason to not be around, even when you lived with just us. Just doesn't want to go to your ball games. He's not like, a fan. I just can't stand that kid on your team who keeps complaining that there aren't enough <laughs> dugouts. I don't want to go. <laughs> he's like, oh, Jared? Yeah. 
There's this few seconds of silence, and then Dad says, You're right, Jimmy, and I'm sorry. We haven't spent much time together lately, and that's going to change. I promise. Listen, why don't we go get some cake? We'll sneak over to the rec room. We got a new video game last week. And this, this like, piques Jimmy's interest, and Dad's smiling and saying, It piques my interest. I want to know what video game I hope it's Zebo's Big House, because I want to see it. Somebody should make a mod of some game and (laughs) make it Zebo's Big House. Just Slaughterhouse, but make it Zebo. Oh, that'd be amazing. Jimmy smiles, and Dad's like, that's my guy. But I'm just kind of sitting here like, he just ate cake. That shouldn't interest him. Cake always interests kids. The two start walking over to the rec room, but they're interrupted by the ringing of a fire alarm bell. Somebody's birthday. (laughs) Oh, God. If only. The rest of the gang start marching past Dad and Jimmy, saying that there's a fire at a warehouse or something, some street. I don't know. Everybody's got to go. And Roxy walks out, she's eating her cake, and Dad yells over to her to call the hospital and tell Mom about the fire. She looks at her watch, and she nods. And then we watch some quick cuts of some other firefighters grabbing their gear. It's kind of weird. The lead guy tells Dad it's time to roll, and Dad kind of hits Jimmy in a way that's like, ah, what you gonna do, you know? Yeah. And he goes over and he gets his gear as Jimmy looks really disappointed. They all start driving away, and Dad calls out to Jimmy saying that they'll do something next weekend. And Jimmy and Roxy, they look disappointed together. The doors yeah. close. They're, They're all pissed. alone. Yeah, they are. How could Dad be so selfish? What an asshole. Saving people's lives. Roxy turns to Jimmy saying, well, I guess the party's over. And then she walks up to the phone to call her mom, but it's dead. And then the lights start flickering again. Oh God, it's the light coast. Tucker hasn't gotten that far yet. <laughs> Roxy hangs up the phone and very slowly walks over to Jimmy. You can hear the lights fade in and out, and there's some spooky music going on. A lot of this episode is just, like, Jimmy or Roxy walking really slow. Which is fine, because it makes it easy to write my notes. She finally gets over to him, and he asks what happened. And there's some shadows over at the fire pole, and then suddenly some guy just slides down it. And he gets to the bottom, and Roxy's like, Oh, I thought everybody left. And this dude walks up to the kids. He's kind of older, and he lights a match, and we see his face, and he says, Wind must have knocked out the phone lines. And the kids just stare at him, and then Jimmy asks who he is. And the guy tells him that he's Jake Griffin, played by Michael Copen, who has done a lot of stuff in his life, like being an extra in The Fly and Death to Smoochie. Was he an extra in Death to Smoochie? Yeah. All right. Well, Anyways, it's a good movie. He tells the kids that he watched the place when the others are gone and that they should make themselves comfortable because they're going to be there for a while. And then he blows out his match and the scene switches. (laughs) Now we're at a table and Jake is lighting a candle with a match. And Roxy asks him if he's ever heard of a fire ghost. (laughs) (laughs) What a silly thing to say. Indeed. Jake says... He's been a firefighter for a long time, and if there's one thing he learned early on, it's that a fire is like a wild animal. It lives, dies, and it thinks. And Jimmy's all like, it thinks? And Jake says, a fire will do anything to survive and grow. Of course, it's our job to stop it. And he licks his fingers and he extinguishes the flame on the candle. And Jimmy looks spooked. And Jake says, but that doesn't mean it's dead. The spirit of the fire remains. The fire ghost. It follows firefighters back to the station looking for revenge and the kids just stare at him and he looks down saying don't get caught by a fire ghost my friends or it'll pull you into its world of eternal flames <laughs> jesus <laughs> christ like, damn that's pretty metal <laughs> okay 
Um, I have a problem with this. These kids seem to know their way around this fire station pretty well, right? Yep. How do they not know this guy is a firefighter here? Yep. I was going to wait till the end, but I mean, it's pretty clear. I would assume that if your dad works for a fire station like that, the team there is probably pretty close. Yeah. You know the guys who work there. Right. And I'm sure that their kids have like, you know, a luncheon every once in a while and stuff. And everybody knows everybody. They're all essentially family. I mean, they could all die. Yeah. Every time they go to a job, so I'm sure they're all really close. It's a close. crew. They're they're close. But they just don't know who this guy they're is. They're just like, yeah, who's this guy? Like, I, I mean, spoilers. They yeah. probably would have went to his funeral. <laughs> yes! So this guy's a ghost. And also, the very last scene of this episode is the camera looking over at the plaque of Jake that is in the fire station that these kids probably spend a lot of time in either these kids are really stupid (laughs) or somebody didn't think this through all the way maybe a little bit from column a a little bit from column b thinking that's probably the best of both worlds yes but whatever (laughs) roxy who's about to take a bite of food says that she's never heard of anyone being caught by a fire ghost before And Jake tells her that's because the only way a fire ghost can cross into our world is if you look right into the flame. And we look over at Jimmy, who's looking right into the flame of that candle. And Jake keeps talking, saying the fire ghost dances and jumps. And he's taking another candle and using it to light the candle that he extinguished a few seconds ago. And he says it lures you in to watch. And before you know it, it's too late and it's here. Very reassuring, this guy. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand by don't look at the flame. What flame? Any flame? Yes. (laughs) Just ever in your entire life? Yep. It's your birthday and you're looking at the candles and fuck, there's the ghost. Yeah, you get a fire ghost that wants to drag you down to its world of eternal flames. No big deal. You watch a fireplace screensaver on YouTube (laughs) <laughs> for Christmas, and god damn it, there's that damn ghost again. Well, that's what happens. He tricked you. <laughs> that's what they do. He's tricky. Skeptical Roxy asks why it's never happened, and Jake tells her, firefighters face flames every day. We know enough to not to be tricked. And we cut over to Jimmy, who tells him, Dad says there's no such thing. And Jake chuckles, saying, oh, he believes all right. Danny knows there's a fire ghost haunting this very station. It's just not the sort of thing we like to talk about. He stands up and he says, fire ghosts hate firefighters, and you're the children of one of the best. Be very careful while you're in the station. And he walks away, and Jimmy asks Roxy what she thinks. It's ridiculous. Roxy says, I think Jake's been wearing his helmet a little too tight. And then she takes a bite of her cake, and we get some silly music in the scene fades. So Jake's just like, oh, it's not something we like to talk about. I just thought now would be a good time with it being dark and you being alone with a stranger and all. And, uh, oh, also it wants to kill your dad. Uh, see ya. He wants to mentally prepare these children for the ensuing horrors of being left alone in a station. With, let's be honest, Brandon, not one, but two fire ghosts. Oh, spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, technically. Hey there everybody, Cortland here, your good buddy and your local volunteer firefighter. 
Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show this week. Whether you're new or a longtime fan, we appreciate you spending time and laughing with us. If you have yet to check out our social media pages, you're really missing out. Every week we create new and original Are You Afraid of the Dark gifts, videos, memes, and so much more. We put a lot of hard work into our social media content. It really complements our show, and I guarantee there's something there that you'll love. So give us a follow. That's at Private Island Presents on Instagram and at PRVT Island on Twitter. You can find a quick link to all of our socials and so much more in the episode description. We hope you consider becoming a patron and supporting the show. Head over to patreon.com slash private island today. Become a patron and you'll get instant access to early release episodes, bloopers, and you'll get sent an up all night sticker. We have three tiers available, each with their own rewards. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Golden Bostics, Bryce and Kathy, and the Bronze Beths, Angela and Shane. Thank you so much for your support. The show wouldn't be the same without you. Our Season 4 wrap-up is almost here, Season 4 is quickly coming to a close, and we need your questions. Brandon and I will be recording the wrap-up episode in less than two weeks on May 8th, so please help us out and send us in your questions. If you have any questions for us, about the show, about podcasting, or if you have a story to share, please send them our way. You can reach us on any of our social media accounts or through email, that's privateislandpresents at gmail.com. We've gotten a couple of questions so far, but we'd love to have some more. If you're interested in the editing process, I do live stream my editing on occasion. So give me a follow on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Come hang out with me and see how I edit up the show. If you want to help out our show in other ways, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Podchaser, or tell somebody about the show. Word of mouth is huge for podcast growth and we would love nothing more than to brighten more people's days. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start, from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to the show. Stay safe, healthy, and happy, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. Now we're back up at the fireman's pole, second floor. Roxy and Jimmy are laying in the beds that we saw earlier. The camera pans across them, and they're just laying there staring at the ceiling. And we pan over to Jimmy, and he says, Hey Roxy, if I asked you something, would you promise not to get mad? And Roxy says, Sure. And Jimmy looks over, asking her, Whose fault she thinks it is that their parents split up? It's probably you, Jimmy. (laughs) Poor Jimmy. Roxy sighs. She says, Not again, Jimmy. It doesn't matter. But Jimmy says that there's got to be someone to blame. Roxy gets up and she says, will you stop? It happened, okay? It doesn't matter who's to blame. Jimmy's all, you promised you wouldn't get mad. And Roxy's like, I lied. Then she lays back down and she puts a pillow over her face, attempting to end her suffering. (laughs) We cut to Jimmy, who looks over at the fire pole. And then we hear some, like, sounds like a fire coming from downstairs. And we see it light up like there is a fire down there. So Jimmy gets up out of his bed. He grabs a candle, he walks over to the pole, and he slowly slides down it, and the camera pans over to see Roxy laying in bed, not noticing anything. She still has that pillow suffocating her face. We watch Jimmy slide down the pole to the first floor, he calls out for Jake, and we look around this empty room, and then we see a door to the side that's cracked a little, and the light of a fire blazes up from behind it. So Jimmy, with a candle in hand, slowly walks over to it, very slowly, very slowly. When he gets closer, the light goes out. And his candle is blown out. So he sets the candle down and then the room's fire blazes up again. And Jimmy looks down at his candle, which reignites on its own. And the room's fire stops burning 
And then from behind, Jimmy the candle blazes up like a flamethrower. Which is cool. Yeah. So Jimmy stares into the flame all like, what the fuck? Of course he does. And then the flame goes out and the fire turns back on in the room, which, by the way, is the equipment room. And Jimmy's about to go open up the door all the way when a hand grabs his shoulder and it's Roxy. He screams and then says, don't scare me like that. And Roxy's like, ghost story really got to you, huh? And Jimmy tells her, no, really. He starts explaining what he saw like she saw everything too. But then he's cut off by the phone ringing. Roxy says, all right, phone works. So the kids walk over to it. Jimmy picks up the phone and it's still dead. And we see a hose coming out of the equipment room by itself, right? And Roxy complains, saying that it just rang. And then we hear a voice on the other end of the phone say, Jimmy, you're the son of a murderer, and your time has come. And then it laughs as Jimmy casually... It is, right? You can't just call somebody the son of a murderer. Unless they are. Which he is not. Allegedly. Jimmy casually puts the phone up to Roxy's ear, saying, I don't think we're alone. Which they aren't because Jake is there, so... The host from earlier makes its way to the kids and starts wrapping around Jimmy's leg without him noticing. Then it just snags him and starts dragging him into the equipment room. He screams for Roxy. Roxy screams for Jimmy as he's being dragged into this room. But she isn't moving to go save him. He gets sucked fully into this room and the door closes before she even moves to go help her brother. I loved that. I loved that a lot. She's just like, Jimmy! Jimmy, no! And she's got the phone in her hand, and he's, like, sucked into the room, and the door slams, and then she goes into action. She starts smacking the door, yelling for Jimmy, and then from behind her, one of those firefighter suits lifts up an axe, and then we cut to commercial for some reason, and then after commercial, we see her slapping on the door some more and screaming for Jimmy. The door opens up, and we see Jimmy on the floor, entangled in hose. And then from behind Roxy, we see the axe-wielding firefighter suit, and it's coming toward him. It's a cool visual. It is really cool, isn't it? Yeah. I liked it a lot. The sequence is well directed. Yeah. Jimmy screams out and Roxy looks over her shoulder to see that dude. And then she rushes to go help Jimmy. The firefighter suit lifts up the axe and chops it down on the hose. And Jimmy's freed so the two kids run away. They call for Jake as they run up the stairs. They stop in front of a door for a moment before entering that room. Then another room. And we look over at the stairway and the suit of firefighter gear is walking up it. And it starts going into the rooms that the kids just ran into. It looks like they're in some sort of bathroom now. They're hiding in the showers. And the firefighter guy, he starts checking all the stalls. And then he moves he moves the curtain back to see the kids. But he does this in a way that makes him seem threatening. But it turns out it's just Jake. This whole thing is in a way that makes him seem threatening. He says he's been looking all over for him. And Jimmy tells him that the fire ghost is real and it's here. And Jake nods saying that he knows. And he wants them both out of here as fast as they can. And Roxy's like, but... But Jake tells him not to stop or look back. They need to get outside as fast as they can, but they need to be careful because the ghost is full of tricks. And Roxy asks why he knows so much about ghosts, and Jake says, Lowers his visor and he phases out of existence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah, the kids, they just kind of breathe for a moment and they run away. Yeah. No time to acknowledge what just happened. Nah. They slide down the fire pole to the first floor and Jake's like, come on. And he opens up a door and there's a roaring fire on the other side. So the kids slam that door shut and Roxy's like, the window. She takes a chair and she knocks the glass out of that window that that tree broke earlier. And then she uses the chair to get up and out of the window and the kids are outside. 
And that's the end of the episode. They made it. Good job, guys. Yeah, except from out of nowhere, this young-looking guy we haven't seen yet with this really deep voice pops around the corner of the fire station. And the kids are all startled, and he says, Easy, easy, I'm not gonna hurt you. And Roxy says that she's really glad to see him, and the guy says, Well, somehow I doubt that. And Jimmy asks what he means, and the guy says, He just heard you guys smash that window. And Roxy explains that they weren't making trouble, they were just running from the fire ghost. Duh. The officer looks up at her, saying, The what? And Jimmy says, The fire ghost is loose in the firehouse, and it's after us. And the guy's all, You wanna run that by me again? And Roxy looks aggravated saying look i know it sounds crazy but our dad he works here he's a firefighter and the officer's all like is that right well we'll just have to see and he i don't know like forces the kids back inside i guess it's all very odd yeah it's um peculiar red flags yeah honestly this is a really great lesson that you don't need to listen to officers (laughs) i mean you do but like be skeptical right yeah because you never know if they're ghosts or Fake officers are kind of the scariest thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I know. Inside, the officer turns on the lights and Jimmy says, Hey, the lights work. They look around and the officer calls out, asking if anybody's there. And Jimmy points to the equipment room saying, It's in there. And the officer and kids kind of walk over to the door, even though Roxy says she thinks they they better just leave. But the officer calls out saying, This is the police. Come on out of there. And then he opens up the door and looks inside. And he turns around with his hands on his hips, looking at the kids. The kids, they look inside the room, and then they turn around, and Jimmy says, It must be hiding. And the officer sighs, saying, Alright, enough nonsense. Both of you in there now. And Jimmy asks why, and the officer says he's going to take a second look around. And he doesn't want to watch them. Now get in. Roxy protests. Nope, 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 nope. I know, right? Roxy protests, and the guy starts getting pissed, and he's saying that they're in enough trouble as it is. Now get in there. That's when you yell and kick him in the genital triangle. Exactly. Yes. Roxy says she can't, and the officer touches her shoulder, which burns her, and he takes back the smoky hand as the lights turn off in the room, and the kids turn around to see the officer as all black and burned, smoke coming out of his holes in his shirt, and he says, Welcome to my barn? I think. What does he say? Sure, barn. I think, I don't know. That might be what he says. A fire ignites in the room behind the kids. They turn back to look at the ghost, and he disappears in a cloud of smoke. And the kids run away. What did you think of this monster? Hmm. I mean, he's not very scary looking. Uh, He's got a cool voice. Yeah. But I don't know. That's just not what I'd uh, picture, like, a fire ghost being like. He's just like a spicy man. <laughs> just gonna say he's a spicy man? Yes. He should look more like a burn victim. That's what I thought, too. But that actually would be terrifying. Yeah, like, I don't want to say Freddy Krueger, but, I mean, give me some prosthetic burns or something. He's just kind of like, his skin is very smooth, and it's all black, and his eyes are sunken in with, like, red in them. And, I mean, it looks pretty cool, but... They could have done a little more with him. Like the holes with the smoke coming out of it and his clothes, that was a pretty nice touch, but he just looks like a the it's ashes of a fire that is already gone. Oh shit. That's pretty actually pretty good for a fire ghost. But it's a man for some reason. Why is it a man anyway? Should be talking fire. <laughs> yeah. The personification of fire should be fire. So this officer slash fire ghost guy is played by Tim Post. 
who has actually been in this show before. And I'd ask you if you want to guess, but you're never going to guess. So I'm just going to say it. He was in the tale of the dream machine as the black hooded ghost person that tried to kill Billy. Oh, that was going to be my third guess. Yeah, that faceless being. (laughs) He's also been in a lot of other stuff, including the Brady Bunch in the White House back in 2002, which I had no idea existed. What? That's a thing? Yep. I looked it up and uh, Mike Brady becomes president and uh, Carol Brady is his vice president. And that's as far as I read. And I said, nope, nope, nope. This doesn't, nope, doesn't exist. Well, geez, Slam Dunk Ernest and Brady Bunch (laughs) are now on top of my watch list. Okay, hold on. There's more, though. He is also in Battlefield Earth and, of course, Cadet Kelly. Oh, those two go hand in hand. (laughs) Always, yes. <laughs> Hillary Duff and Scientology. Yeah. Wait, what? Scientology? Is that what Battlefield Earth is? Yes. Never seen it. Isn't that the one with John Travolta? Yep. Noted Scientologist John Travolta. You've only seen the riff tracks of that movie, haven't you? Of course. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Moving on. <laughs> So the kids run up to this door, and they stop, and they're panting. And the kids look over, and we see Jake, who tells the kids that he told them that the fire ghost was full of tricks. And Roxy begs him not to hurt them. And Jake's like, hurt you? I've been watching out for you two since the company left. I'm a little disappointed, though. And we cut to the kids, and and Jake is teleported behind them, saying, I told you not to look in the flame. And Roxy, she looks at Jimmy, and she yells, You looked at the flame? Like, this is an absolutely ridiculous thing for him to have done. <laughs> I love it. It's such an accusatory tone. He looked at the tone. flame. You looked at the flame? Like, if if there's a fire threatening to burn down the building you're in, you're not going to look at it? Yeah, for real. Like, that candle erupted like a flamethrower. What is he supposed to do? Yeah, if my house was on fire right now, yeah. I would walk very slowly to investigate it mm-hmm. and then look at it intensely. Me too. And then I get haunted by a fire ghost. No big deal. It happens. It does. Jimmy tells her, well, I only looked at it for a second. And Jake tells him that's all it takes. Well, you're the one that released it. So you're the ones that got to stop it. And Jimmy's like, me? <laughs> How? Jake explains it's the same way that you stop any fire. And he walks over and he grabs a fire extinguisher. And he says, it won't be easy. This one's crafty. And Jimmy says, yeah, well, you know. And we cut back to Jake who says that he's been keeping this fire ghost away from here for too long. And then he sits down saying he's he's glad it's nearly over. Jimmy asks who he really is. And Jake says that he used to be a member of this engine company. Then a few years back, another firefighter and I were rescuing an old woman from a burning house. He carried her out and I went back inside looking for more people. The last thing I remember is him yelling at me that the roof was going to go. And it did. And I didn't make it. That was the fire that this fire ghost came from. And that other firefighter? Your dad. Yeah, duh. Yeah, Jimmy looks at Roxy, and then he says, he never told us that. (laughs) (laughs) And Jake's all, he took it pretty hard. He thought it was his fault that I didn't make it. There was no blame to be had. Truth is, he saved that woman's life. Sometimes things just happen. You can't always be looking for someone to blame. Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) You eavesdropping, Jake. (laughs) He's an omnipresent being. Of course he's eavesdropping. He knows all about the cut on the hand and the video games and the, do you think it's mom's fault? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you can't always be looking for someone to blame. Sometimes you just 
lose your spark in a relationship and you wake up and one day and you look at the person sleeping next to you and it's like a stranger and you drift apart and then one day the girl at the bank tells you that she likes your shirt and any compliment makes you feel good at that point and then suddenly you've got another family uh anyway the point is your dad is a really good firefighter <laughs> it's ridiculous um did this whole situation remind you of the room for rent and the parachute a bit and the yeah other than the fact that like he wasn't blaming their dad for his death which would have been yeah. interesting yeah um yeah a little bit you know i while i was watching this and doing my notes and stuff i was like man this is another like overly adult complicated situation that is being smashed together and you know 22 minutes or whatever and... yeah i thought the same thing and i thought coming from tucker <laughs> where is all this coming from are things okay at home tucker i did have that thought in the beginning when the mom left very quickly and the dad left and he was all alone and i was like oh tucker you got like abandonment issues what's going on carrie look after your brother no he wants to just eat cake let him eat cake <sighs> whatever yeah i i had the same thoughts though we cut to Roxy, who asks what they're supposed to do because it's going to come after him. And Jake doesn't really help the situation, and he kind of just makes it worse. He tells them that it's, it's going to come after the firefighters next. <laughs> <laughs> You're not helping, Jake. He's like, yeah, it's going to get you, and then also it's going to get uh, everybody you love. <laughs> everybody you love. <laughs> he tells them that they have to stop it before they come back from their firefighting. And Jimmy asks how they could get it to come out. Jake says, well, all they need is a little bait. And Jimmy gets this dumb look on his face and it's like, oh, Jesus, it's going to be me. It's a real Timon. Well, you message. looked at the flame. Says, you well, looked at the flame. He's such a dumbass. So now we're looking down the fire pole to the ground level. We zip over to the fire suits. Then we check out the fire equipment room. And finally, we settle on, like, I don't know, the open room outside the equipment room. In walks Jimmy, who just walks around a little bit. And then he looks at the equipment room door. He stops and he yells, hey, you, are you going to come and get me? <laughs> and we see the um, fire ignite from behind the door. It lights it up. And Jimmy's all, are you or are you afraid? And the door opens up and this, that toasty looking fire ghost comes walking out. And he points at Jimmy saying, you are the son of a murderer and your time has come. And Jimmy stands his ground saying that his father's not a murderer. And the ghost says he and his kind destroyed the fire. That's so stupid. It is pretty dumb, isn't it? He murders fire. <laughs> hey, he was alive, now he's a ghost, okay? He's not wrong. First you will pay, and when they return, they will join the flames. And the ghost starts laughing as Roxy walks up behind it with the fire extinguisher. And Jimmy's all, that's what you think. And then Roxy starts blasting the motherfucker. She shoots this ghost for like three seconds. <laughs> And then goes over to Jimmy to celebrate their victory. All right. That's the end of the episode. I think they did a really good job. No, it's not, Brandon. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, there's way more. Jimmy says, you got it. Then out of nowhere pops Jake, who tells Roxy that firefighting is in her blood and how he's never seen anyone work a fire But he gets cut off by the ghost, who is obviously not gone. And he's he's grunting and he, and he emerges from the smoke with a smile. And Roxy asks why it didn't work. And Jake's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jake. <laughs> he turns out to not do much of anything. 
<laughs> Not really. I mean, he did chop that hose, so he can do He comes stuff. and, he like, doesn't. scares them, and that's about it. This man, who is dead and a ghost, tells these kids, who are alive and not ghosts, that they have to deal with the problem. <laughs> he could just sacrifice himself and get rid of this ghost himself, but no. He's selfish. Yeah. Takes one to know one, but uh, you kids handle this one. <laughs> yeah, I like that part. Uh, takes one ghost to know one ghost. Just fades away. <laughs> I don't know. But... He tells the ghost to leave him alone, and the fire ghost walks closer, and he tells the gang, you didn't leave me alone. Jake tells the ghost, you got no beef with them. The ghost says he can't stop him any longer, and we see Jimmy look up at the ceiling, and it cuts to a water pipe up there, right? And Jimmy steps up saying, please, I hate fire. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst part of this episode. It is. Do anything, but please don't use fire. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, that sounds more convincing than in the episode. <laughs> please, sir. <laughs> I would ever so much hate it if you set off that sprinkler. <laughs> I'll show you. That's exactly what happens. The ghost is like, I am fire. Until Jimmy tells him, yeah, it's too horrible. Please do anything you want, but don't turn into fire. He actually says that. That is a real quote. It is. I wrote it down. I was just like, this isn't happening. So the ghost says that this is sweeter than I could ever imagine. And his head and his arms erupt into flames, and he laughs. And the flames go up to the sprinkler system, which activates, and it dribbles on the fire ghost, who falls to the ground and melts. What a lame-ass ending for that Please, ghost. Sir. <laughs> Anything but fire. <laughs> Simple reverse psychology, I guess. He's a ghost, not a genius. So stupid. Jimmy yells out, Adios, hot shot. You tricked me once, but I repaid the favor. And he steps down on the mound of ash that was once the fire ghost, and he wiggles his shoe in it like it's shit. <laughs> then he gives it a nice kick for good measure. Roxy and Jimmy hug each other, and they giggle, and we look over at Jake, who turns a knob and stops the water. Even though he's a ghost? It's the one thing he did. He walks back over to the kids and says, I guess I'm done here. And Jimmy thanks him for his help. And Jake says, hey, it's my job. Firefighters always stick together. Remember me to your father. And then he just disappears. No, they won't remember him. They already forgot him once. They didn't even know he existed, apparently. What, did the firefighters just say, like, oh, Jake, he moved to Connecticut. (laughs) Like... (laughs) He's on a farm with a nice family. He's running around free every day. (laughs) He's chasing birds. He loves it. (laughs) The kids look at each other for a moment, and then we hear the guys all coming back from their fire. And Dad walks in, and he turns on the lights, and he's all dirty and stuff. And he asks what the fuck happened here, because it's all wet. And the kids run up to him, and they give him a hug. And we hear a voiceover from Tucker, who says the fire ghost was never seen at the station again. And Jimmy and Roxy started spending a lot more time with their dad. And the camera pans over to see a little memorial for Jake on the wall. <laughs> that, what an ending. 
Yeah. Overall, I liked the episode. It was fun. I liked it too. It's a cool setting. Fire, ghosts. That's a pretty awesome stuff. Um, the effects of the fire, like the, what is it called? Pyrotechnics that they use is really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just starting fires all over the place. <laughs> Flamethrower and the candle. It's great. I like it. The part that I hate is when he's like, please, sir. <laughs> Anything It's but ridiculous. Fire. It's just, it could have been okay if it would have been a little more convincing. <laughs> it was just so ham-fisted. <laughs> yeah. And to, like, psych out with the fake victory, only to have that be the result, is like, ugh. It would have been better if he just got blasted up the ass with that fire extinguisher and died. <laughs> yeah, that would have been better. Like, I mean, you, you could see that fake out coming a mile away. She blasted yeah. that thing for, like two seconds and of course i really i like the idea of him you know igniting up high and and getting the water the sprinkler system going and that's classic it's it's a good idea but like they could have had jimmy do anything else they could have had him like taunt him and it be you know yeah he could have just been like fire stupid electricity's better (laughs) i mean that's almost what he did but (laughs) (laughs) It could have been, like, it would have been more interesting if he was, like, you know, making him mad instead of, please, sir, not fire. (laughs) Don't burn me alive in eternal flames. (sighs) But other than that, yeah, I liked the episode. It was fun. So back at the Midnight Society, Frank tells Tucker, nice job, bucket boy. Tucker smiles, and we cut over to Sam and Gary, and Sam stands up. She walks over to Kiki, and she hands her some money, which looks suspiciously American. And she says, I was going to give you this before we started yelling at each other. And well, here. And she hands Kiki the money saying, it was my fault. Your sweater got stolen. And I hope that's enough was to buy it? you a new one. She didn't lock her Like, locker. I understand <laughs> that you're responsible for stuff that you borrow. But man, if it really did just get stolen, like, that sucks. But it's not her fault. Sam is the kind of person that's nice enough to be like, yeah, this is my fault. Here's the money to replace it. So it's, yeah. it's pretty in character for her. I don't think Kiki should expect it, but I don't think Kiki did expect that. Well, I don't know. But, yeah, that just sucks. Don't steal things. Unless you want David to come up with a story for you. Kiki takes the money and is like, well, it wasn't all your fault. Let's split it. And she hands Sam half the money, saying, friends? Sam agrees. They remain friends. And Franks walks over, mocking him with a, oh, how cute. And Kiki pushes him away, saying, get bent. And the kids all walk down the pathway. Gary grabs the empty bucket of water saying, now what? And Tucker suggests that they throw dirt on the fire. So they do just that and the fire goes out. And Tucker's like, see, it's dead already. And Gary tells him, yeah, not a bad idea. And they walk away and we look at the fire, which growls and smokes. And that's the end. Are they going to start a forest fire? Yes. That's what that implication was. Okay. (laughs) Next episode, New Forest. Yeah, right. But uh, that was the episode. It was, um, I don't know. I feel like we talked about it enough. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Where See you later, everyone. <laughs> what do you think the moral of the story is? Don't trust police. Don't trust police. Yes. I think that is unequivocally the correct answer. If the police officer is like, hey, you, get out of the car. Wait, I guess it depends on what you did. But if you're the only <laughs> one down a dark alley and the police is like trying to get you to get in their car and stuff question them it's okay it's okay to be rude (laughs) overall 
I like season four so far, I think. We've had some good episodes. Yeah, it's been good. All of them have been... Uh, I think I would probably watch all of them again, except maybe Room for Rent. And this one, I, I mean, I had fun with it. It was a good episode. The name, though, Brandon. Tale of the Fire Ghost. You think we can come up with something better? Probably. I think we could, too. The Tale of the Fire Ghosts. The Tale of the Useless Ghost. Yeah, right? The Tale of the Flaming Candle. Tale of the Reverse Psychology. The Tale of the Strongest Tree Branch. <laughs> it was blasting that window hard. <laughs> Slapping that window so much. I knew that window was going to break. You just can't hit a window <laughs> with a branch like that over and over again without it breaking. Yeah. But also, they're firefighters. They probably could have gotten rid of that branch if it was always smacking into that window. It was a hazard. Just waiting to happen. The tale of the phone police? Good one. Thanks. What about the tale of the phony police? That is the perfect name. I don't think we can top that. We should move on. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to find out what's next, Brandon? Yes, what is it? Up next, we have the tale of the unfinished painting. Who do you think is going to tell this one? I think it's going to be... A Tucker story. <laughs> you always say Tucker. I mean, okay. Your guesses are either Tucker or Betty. And I'm right, like, 33% of the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, what do you think the tale of the unfinished painting is going to be about? Shit. Okay, um, there was a man in the okay. 1930s who was working on a painting, all right? And yes. he had a wife. And his wife got very ill and died. And oh. this guy, he just didn't have the motivation to finish his painting anymore. And yeah. eventually he grew old and he died. But he kept that painting for the rest of his life. So okay. a new family moves into the house that this guy had. And they find that painting in the attic and it's unfinished. They start seeing the ghost of this wife who died. Okay. And yeah. to set her at ease and to move her on to the afterlife they have mm -hmm. to summon the ghost of the painter to finish the painting that he was working on for oh his God. wife okay that's a lot <laughs> yeah what why would he be able to finish the painting now though um be because, because he he's a ghost, ghost i don't point? know if he was a ghost can't like they just be happy in ghost zone no cuz he's in hell together? Oh, okay. All right, that changes everything. Do you want a little uh, sneak peek of the episode, a little unspoilerific te little teaser for what we have next? Why not? Sure. All right. I'm just going to say a name, okay? It's a name you'll yeah. recognize because she's been in another episode. One of our favorite episodes, I would say. Are you ready? Yeah. Jewel State. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's back. She's better than ever. <laughs> I just like great. saying that. <laughs> I know. She's a treasure. Oh, Brandon. That was the tale of the fire ghost. I'm done here. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm tired. I've been I'm going to take night. an eight hour nap. That's a good idea. Get refreshed for the day. So I can wake up and <sighs> take another nap. Yeah. All right, Brandon. I've been up all night. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to sleep. All right. Yeah. I'll talk to you next week. I'll see ya. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. You looked at the flame? <laughs>